So, you know, last week I said, Henry Cavill, if you're listening, post a picture of your dog on your Instagram. Right. And we'll know. Mm-hmm. He genuinely hasn't. Oh, right. <laughs> it's not posted anything. I thought a dog would be a safe one. But I uh. have decided to come onto the show. Is that your Henry Cavill? <laughs> yeah, that's best I could do. He's, he's very posh, isn't he? He's, like, he's quite posh. I love being the bloody witcher. Welcome, listener, to the Electronic Wireless Show, uh, Rob Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. And I'm pretty sure this week is episode 173. I think I said that last week as well. This week <laughs> might be 174. It's something. It's a number in the 70s. Uh, and this week we're doing the best MacGuffins in games. Uh, and I'm joined incredibly uh, this week by Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Hello. Good grief. Thank you for having me. Mr. Hitchcock, it's it's a, a surprising honour uh, that you've come on. <laughs> no, my pleasure. I'm a big uh, fan of the show. <laughs> lovely to hear. Uh, and also joined by Dennis McGuffin. <laughs> Aye, that's right. Dennis McGuffin of Clan McGuffin. Oh, God. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you That's want to tell it. us That's anything about... Uh, is that it? Because I just want to say, for the benefit <laughs> of the listener, uh, before we started recording, Nate said he's a very strong character. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's more to us than that. We've got a special rock. <laughs> <laughs> but that really is it. <laughs> so what, tell us more. Hitchcock is intrigued. <laughs> Well, if you get the rock, we'll drop dead. Mm. Ooh, that's, that's like a the... um, <laughs> terrible artifact for a clan to have. <laughs> well, I, it's not like we're going to give it to anyone else. So we've oh, got true. to keep it. Get a very strong character work again from you, Nate. Thank you. I, it's, <laughs> I, I, I may be wrong, but I sense that Dennis isn't going to become a recurring character. <laughs> <laughs> a He's Scottish no guy who has a, who has a rock that if someone takes it, it dooms him. That's it. That's his whole deal. Yeah, but that rock <laughs> is the Alabaster Titan's heart. Oh, oh well. the plot thickens. Yeah, so Tights is after it, but you know he's going to have the whole of Clan MacGuffin arrayed against him. Have uh, Have I ever told you, lads, about the uh, the Inishki Islands? I don't, I don't believe so. They're my favourite islands that I learned about. Um, and they are, there's Inishkey North and Inishkey South. They're just a couple of little islands. Um, 
that uh, are off the coast of, they're off the Atlantic coast of Ireland, uh, the part of County Mayo. And they were inhabited until 1927. Um, but they have this amazing history uh, where like they used to, be, they were really important, it seems, in sort of early Christian history. There used to be a monastery there, you know, like the weird uh, island that Luke lives on in uh, the Last Jedi. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with the milk walrus. Yeah. So sort of a bit like that. So they had the little beehive, you know, monk huts and things, and um, and then so that was like thousands of years ago, and then at some point between there being a monastery there, and now the islanders just uh, decided they weren't interested in Christianity and started worshiping a rock. <laughs> Oh. Really, it's called the Godstone, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we think so anyway. The reports we have of it are from like French and English kind of tourists who went there and said the villagers have a stone, um, and only wrote down phonetically how they how they thought it. They call it a nevog. Um, Did they bloody love being the witcher by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> they did um but it's amazing and they they believed the stone could sort of um uh bring up storms uh because they also at one point the islanders started just uh being um not wreckers but they would just steer they would just uh wait for ships to be becalmed off their their island and and then just uh raid them <laughs> and uh, they slept on goose feather beds uh so they had the nicest beds of almost anywhere on the island of ireland because i, I take it they the, kept geese they didn't have to like raid ireland uh, so the, the islands people. are um a big nesting ground for migratory uh barnacle geese so every year oh. just a load of geese would turn up and seals bred there as well and uh, it's a really fascinating place. And they continued worshipping this rock, the Godstone, which got a new dress made for it. It got a little <sighs> flannel dress made for it like every year or maybe a couple of times a year. We're not really sure. And and they continued worshipping it until they sort of got Christianity a bit again. Oh, it got stolen by the uh, North Island from the South Island at one point as well. They were like, we're having that rock. <laughs> and then it got eventually got thrown into the sea by a priest whose name and uh, genuinely this is what I have read the priest's name was Father Big Paddy O'Reilly. No. <laughs> <laughs> this are you sure this wasn't one of my Crusader King saved games? It sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> They're genuinely fascinating, and you can visit them still. Mm. Yeah, really, really interesting islands. But I just love that they were just like, God, nah, got a rock. That that might be because they decide to set themselves on the unholy task of like wrecking the boats and destroying other people's lives. So just so they can like (laughs) deal with it, they come up with a new belief system that kind of takes the edge off their own actions. Oh yeah, the rock loves smashing boats. Yeah, (laughs) they didn't do that all the time. They they did it for a bit. But they also there was also at one point um, like a, a Scandinavian company built a, a whaling factory on a little spit near the uh, South Island. So they did whaling for a bit. They just did loads of stuff. Also, they apparently brewed the best uh, pachine because they would because because they could just do it openly. They didn't really have to hide. They were doing it because they were on a weird island that nobody came to. So they just got really good at it. <laughs> 
It sounds like a place Arcane should set a game and you uncover this backstory, a bit like how in Deathloop you sort of find out what the island used to be used for, kind of in, you know, the environmental storytelling and finding the odd document and stuff. There should have been... Deathloop Island should have at one point been home to the 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 worshippers of the rock god or the god stone or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, someone there you go. Another yet another pitch for a video game. Someone make uh-huh. a video game about Inishki. Bef- before uh, we get on on track, tiny bit of mandatory trivia that's very short. Go on then. You know barnacle geese. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen goose barnacles? No. They're a type of barnacle which is like on a long rubbery. Like oh, yeah. roots, have, which yeah, attaches to the rock, them. and right, yeah. class, classic case of medieval people superficially appearing to be fools. Uh, they they thought that goose barnacles were the young of barnacle geese, and that's why they're called barnacle geese. Oh, because they have big long necks. Yeah, and they thought they just at some point just you know grew a goose and flew off. <laughs> it's very good. Is there a uh... Um, uh, a worse existence than being a barnacle. What a rubbish life that would be. You know they implant themselves on rocks and stuff head first as well. Oh. So you but just you got just, your head glued to a rock, waving your bum in the air to catch but you've, food. But you've with. got like your sh- barnacle, barnacles. They got like they got like a shell, right? Like a yeah, hard ex- yeah. yeah. So you just I don't know. You just exist to enclose yourself between yourself and a rock, and that's it. That's well, your you've whole... got nice feathery legs and stuff you can wave in the water. Yeah, oh, if, I would, I would I hate got, it. I if I was it. left alone, I'd quite like it, I think. No. It'd be so boring. Yeah, there is that, I suppose. Barnacle, but if you're a barnacle, condemned. I suppose your imagination and needs a few. So. Well, that's it. Like, what's the point? <laughs> Don't know, mate. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we... <laughs> How are you both? It's been a long preamble to get to this point, but are you both well? Are you all right, Matthew? Yeah, all good. Um, again, very, very few adventures going on. Um, oh, no. It's yeah, the, no. the fallow period for Matthew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nate, how so, are you? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Uh, I've been, well, I think I can say this. I've just been playing loads of Total War 3 because I'm reviewing it, and it's... Mm. Uh, it's a big game. Uh, but outside of that, I've been, I had a, a Wizard Wheeze, bought a, uh, a sticker book Ooh. for Tally, which is really good, actually. It was only seven quid. And it's like, I think, like 20 odd, like Roman scenes. And you've got like bits of Roman paraphernalia that you can stick onto the Romans. Oh, nice. Because um, she bloody loves Romans. And, yeah, it, it's really fascinating uh, seeing her just completely treat history with contempt. Her favourite thing is to put, like, chariots and ox-drawn carts and stuff flying upside down across the sky. Very uh, good. Yeah, and she's obsessed with putting rats on people's chests. Oh, okay, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> So it's like mm-hmm. an insignia <laughs> or like a medal. Well done for conquering Gaul. Have a rat. <laughs> Have a rat. Oh, Emperor dear. just nails it to their chest. So yeah, so this has been uh, Roman stickers is the nightly occurrence at the moment. Very, very oh, sweet. Good. I've, I'm shoveling down. I took home a huge 
bag of vitamin D capsules from the pharmacy. I can't remember if I told you both, but uh, I got I have to have blood tests quite a lot, and I mm. got a call from the GP uh, a couple a few weeks ago now, uh, where he he actually laughed at me for how low my vitamin D levels are. <laughs> He was. He went. Yeah, they're quite they're quite low. Because <laughs> um, I like, in fairness, my vitamin D levels are, are catastrophically low. So hang on. So if a norm a normal vitamin D level is yeah. is anywhere between sort of thirty to fifty, it fluctuates with the, the seasons. Um, when you start getting sort of twenty, yeah, it's a bit danger zone. And then twelve is is low. So you're vitamin D deficient. Uh, mine is eight. <laughs> Whoa, crikey! <laughs> My what? bones are gonna. I'm just gonna have ricket. I don't. <laughs> what I'll gives like your you man vi- off unbreakable? <laughs> <laughs> and then the doctor was like, "We're gonna give you loads of vitamin D capsules." But basically, like he gave me a prescription that was basically touch grass, you loser. Like <laughs> <sighs> he was like, "You really, you really have to go outside." <laughs> oh, is that is that what is vitamin D the outside vitamin? Yeah, so our bodies are stimulated to produce it by the sun. Mm. Uh, and he was just like, "You just, you really, you do, you just need to really try and and go outside." Brutal. That's tough. <laughs> so I have to shovel down a bunch of vitamin D capsules every day. Uh, but, oh, yeah. rude thing for your bones, mate. <laughs> thanks, thanks, mate. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that you know, if and if I don't get an, oh, there's no way to make a vitamin D capsule in MacGuffin, is it? Because it has well, a sort of use. Well, it depends if if on the way to get the vitamin D, you have a wild adventure, then it yeah, sort of is the MacGuffin. True. Yeah, because like yeah, a skeleton army tries to stop you because they need the vitamin D to reinforce their bones for the skeleton war. There you go. Uh, this week we're doing the best MacGuffins in games. <laughs> So this topic, I was inspired by. Do you remember the time uh, you talked about that? Uh, what's it called? The movie with uh, the Rock and uh, oh yeah, Ryan Reynolds with, with the, yeah, with the third egg or whatever it is. With the egg, because it really made me laugh when Matthew said like the movie's really let down by the <laughs> fact that the MacGuffin is called the third egg. <laughs> <laughs> Because you just have like every every few sentences you have like the rock being like throw me the egg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is it is definitely problematic. <laughs> or, or what's the face being like? You'll never have the third egg. <laughs> yeah, like the thing. If you think like Indiana Jones, he gets to say like, "Don't look at the ark. Don't look." You know, the ark is like, "Whoa, yeah. that's a, that, that sounds powerful." If it was an egg. And he's tied to a pole, and he's yelling at his his friend. I can't remember her name. Just lost uh, Those guys, uh, don't don't look into the egg. <laughs> don't look at the egg, Marion. Don't look at the egg. Uh, that film would not be a classic. <laughs> oh man! Please let us let us know what MacGuffin you think would be uh, uh, the most funny if replaced with an egg. <laughs> like, like you know. The case in uh, Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> the or, box at the end of Seven. It has an egg in it. What the? What about that flat? What about the flower that the the beast is protective of in Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> it's an egg. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he's laid it. <laughs> when this egg goes off, you stay a beast forever. And he says, I've got to find true love before this egg absolutely stinks. <laughs> Is it like it's an egg, but floating in a pint glass of water and, or like at the, at the bottom, and then it's gradually over the film, like starts starts to float. <laughs> now, that, I, that, I think that's a good storytelling device. More films should have some sort of infographic overlaid. In the corner, <laughs> like showing the level of some, you know, some characteristic in play. That'd be good. Um, so today we're going to talk about our favourite MacGuffins from games. And a MacGuffin, if you know, is, yeah, it's a uh, an object that is uh, usually doesn't have inherent value itself although it can but its primary function is to just drive the plot forward um and uh yeah i think it was hitchcock that came up with the term which is why we're joined by alfred hitchcock today i don't know if, um, did i come up with the term i definitely use them in my film a lot i think you popularized them didn't you yeah you'd think it um, would have been created by someone who is called mcguffin well dennis <laughs> well St- steve mcguffin my good friend steve mcguffin oh uh, yes <laughs> I'm not going to do the accent. My uncle. <laughs> My uncle Steve. Um, so, yeah. Uh, let's let's kick off then with, with some good MacGuffins. Um, so I, gonna, I, as an opening... Oh, did you have an opening gambit? No, no, you... you Dennis, please, you're the expert. So, <laughs> Well, I was going to say, as to cast the net pretty wide, because I think this MacGuffin gets used a lot as souls... Um, this came yeah. to mind because, uh, and this is no spoiler, it's, it's, it's all out there. A lot of the, the plot in total Warhammer three is driven by the arbitrary need to acquire souls. Um, right. I think souls are often used as MacGuffins in games because like they're quite easy to animate. <laughs> it's just you know maybe a glowing rock uh, or some energy <laughs> and you know no one really knows what a soul is even the philosopher the great philosophers never managed a proper definition so you know it can be anything you need for the plot you know that you, you never need explain a mechanism for how a soul will make something possible mm. yeah this is just a soul in it um, I, I, I'm assuming that the Dark Souls games are they about acquiring souls? I mean, well, they're you, more a currency. Yeah, I suppose. you're you're yeah. over. You have like an overall aim, which is to like off some monstrous thing, which in themselves yeah. are very MacGuffin-y. Like yeah. all those games open with a cutscene, which basically says there's a big dragon and everyone <laughs> is trying to kill it, and then you know. For some reason, people then will do 100-hour freaking video essays about how sophisticated the storytelling is. But they are always about <laughs> there is a thing that everyone is dying to kill or dying on their way to kill it, I guess. In, in well, death can, can, can an entity be a, a MacGuffin? Like a, a, a living I mean, beast? Like Is Deathwing in WoW Cataclysm expansion a MacGuffin? Maybe... Maybe killing a beast is a MacGuffin. Like the well, that's, can... it's, it's tricky. I think in a that MacGuffin is a lot has... of games. That, like, I would say mo- mo- most games, more often than not, the ultimate aim is to kill, kill a thing. Yeah. And I, I didn't know if that could be the MacGuffin. 
I feel like a MacGuffin is a a thing you can hold, though, you know. Mm. Do you not think? This is actually really tricky, isn't it? Because now I'm thinking about it. Like, I mean, it's very nebulous, isn't it? I think a MacGuffin is a thing. Because I was, like, Death's Door, you have to collect souls. And they are, like, or, in fact, actually, a lot of MacGuffins in video games are egg or ball shaped. Because I suppose they can be like MacGuffins because like Di- the Diablo games, like each section of Diablo 2 had a MacGuffin that you needed to oh, yes. pinata Sub- out of the boss's tummy to get to the next area. Sub MacGuffins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and like the the Resident Evil games, you have to collect a MacGuffin to open a door. Like... You know, you have to get three statuettes oh, yeah. in the that's shape. Of, I mean, that's MacGuffin Mansion. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's what they should call it. That was its original name. <laughs> it didn't suggest horror. <sighs> I mean, we talked about it before, but it's like, if, yeah, if you want to go for a wee in a Resident <laughs> Evil Mansion, you have to <laughs> you have to put a <laughs> shotgun in the arms of a particular statue and have a pocket full of chess pieces. <laughs> You're like, um, yeah, yeah. I think actually, those. I think a monster is a threat, not a MacGuffin. Yeah, th- that is different. Um, here's here's a good MacGuffin because I always forget, like that this this is what sparks these games off. But the um the Assassin's Creed games. Ah, yeah. I was gonna say exactly the same thing because they're like they sort of always you know fundamentally the story of Assassin's Creed is people using a machine to dip into like your historical dna to 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 to, you know hack into a a memory of your ancestor Mm. in order to learn a piece of information which they need for modern day so the MacGuffin in each of those games is the villains are trying to find like they are eggs i think aren't they (laughs) that the apples Apples. (laughs) that's the thing he's of eden in the first one yeah. yeah the first one it's an apple and uh and then there's like a sword and a stick and stuff. But they sort of, by at this point in the series, that they like in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it's not, it feels very, you know, surplus to requirements, the kind of ancient yeah. aliens subplot. I think maybe it was like uh, the earlier games, but they'd always come, you know, you'd spend, you know, 50, 60 hours playing one of these things, get to the end, and then be reminded of like, oh, yeah, that's why I just did. Oh, the apple, this, yeah. Yeah, this 50 hour adventure was so that, you know, someone could dig up you know, a corner of a map outside Winchester Cathedral or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was fundamentally what this was all for. That's got faint, and it was all the dream energy. Yeah. It I... does a little bit. But that's why I I think they're interesting, because they've sort of phased out the MacGuffin thing itself, and now it's just sort of like finding out about the past or whatever. Yeah. Now there's because now you've got characters who are basically immortal who are like zipping around in yeah. history. So you, like, her, what's her face from um, Odyssey is yeah. you know cropping up all over the place, and you're like, oh, it's, it's, yeah, she's the MacGuffin. Well, she's not the MacGuffin. Um, her magic sticks the MacGuffin. She's got like a time. Oh yeah, she, she got does. Some yeah. Kind of, she got some kind of time stick? <laughs> but that's it's weird though because. <laughs> So that is part of the DLC, the fate of Atlantis stuff. But she's got, she's got, um, it's basically the 
um, some kind of staff and it just makes you live forever and like her dad is Pythagoras or something <laughs> <laughs> see every time that... I hear about this side of stuff my urge to play the Assassin's Creed game <laughs> I love it I just want historical murder but that's the thing like that that stick doesn't feel like it's kind of important to the game or like the story of that character mm. like the character story is all about like finding you know her family very much like Vin Diesel <laughs> and <sighs> and so the MacGuffin almost feels sort of like a side thing rather than a main MacGuffin you know so is it a MacGuffin though because I thought a MacGuffin has to be like a fulcrum you know it has to well, be the central that's that's what I'm saying because because the yeah. the MacGuffin's a bit like in the first Assassin's Creed game quite early on it's like we need to find this apple throw me the apple and um and now it's just sort of like I am an historical badass um, I'm gonna propose and... that like characters you know we were saying characters can't really be MacGuffins but sometimes they feel like it I think the term for that should be O'Guffins. <sighs> Because it also means son of Guffin. <laughs> but it's legally distinct. Guffinson. <laughs> now, Guffinsons are like um, sub-McGuffins. Uh, yeah? There's a whole whole taxonomy of Guffin offspring. I tell you what the Assassin's Creed games really remind me of, having this conversation, where... They're trying to find one thing that happened in someone's life, so they basically have to play that person's whole life just to find out, like where he left his car keys, like eight hundred years ago. <laughs> it's, that's basically the setup of Assassin's Creed, and that is very similar to working on a video channel and making videos <laughs> where you're like, I need a five-second clip of Lara Croft, like climbing to the top of this temple and so you have to play 15 hours of tomb raider just to for the little clip that you've somehow written into your script and made integral video capture is basically is the animus that's <laughs> that's what i've i've come to terms with now i mean tomb raider is MacGuffin central oh geez yeah yeah so many <laughs> bits of rock she's always collecting stuff i thought the whole thing of like Old Tomb Raider was a bit more Indiana Jones, where she's after, yeah. you know, this necklace or this bracelet does that. I think she's after Excalibur in one of them. But the, the new Tomb Raiders are a bit more... Isn't she, like, super... She's not down on well, it. She, she, she's much more of a sort of sceptic. She doesn't really believe in any of it. Well, I think she, colonialist looting has sort of gone a bit out of fashion. Well, they, she, still, she still loots, like you know graves and temples and stuff but it's like so she can save a village oh, of peruvian yeah. natives you know i'm sure like, i'm sure laura yeah so so it's like machete it's, a few bears along the way no doubt so she can still like rob tombs but uh but she's like a, a white savior as well um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but listen, it's a it's a fun game, so who am I to judge? Lara Croft stealing stuff from graves. I've always wondered actually, at what point is is a tomb old enough that breaking it open and nicking stuff from it ceases to be grave robbing and becomes archaeology? 
There's a weird thing be... there, isn't there? Because Victorians used to like eat bits of mummies and have like mummy unwrapping parties. It's like they just went completely mad and forgot they were human corpses. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like there has yeah. to be a point, surely. There must be a year where it ticks over from grave robbing bad to historical archaeology good. And I the... want to know what the year is. <laughs> When, the modern day equivalent like, of that is the um, there's that YouTuber who spent millions on a box of unopened Pokemon cards. Did you see that? No. One of the, I think it was one of the pools, the whichever you know the box, you know the boxing ones. Um, the boxing, the pool. boxing pools. <laughs> you know, you know who I'm talking about. Sound like a gang in Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> there's the je- they're like they're like a sideshow in an old timey. An old it's the boxing like, ball. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no. There's someone, one of the famous YouTube, the Paul brothers, one of them is the boxer, right? That's Logan, isn't it? Is that right? I believe so. Anyway, I, don't know. I swear one of them apparently spent millions bidding on this like unopened rare box of Pokemon cards or some variation of football stickers or something. And then they were going to do this big opening online to see what they bought and i think they got accused of having like rigged it all that they didn't actually spend all these millions and that they knew it was going to be a bust because he opened them all up and they were just like worth you know like no shiny pokemon or whatever it is people are trying to get um so yeah that's i don't even know where i got to this i think when you said mummy unwrapping i started thinking (laughs) unboxing videos um You've really been poisoned by your work. <laughs> I mean, that's that. If YouTube existed in the Victorian era, you would be seeing a mummy being unwrapped on YouTube while yeah, a lot of teenagers so like roared. Like, what's, what's up, everyone? So we've just got a new box in from the Valley of the Pharaohs. Uh, just gonna. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's your boy, Sir Terence Plunder. <laughs> Make sure you stick around to the end of the video while I consume a withered liver. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sir Terence Plunder is good. I hope Sir Terence Plunder will be a (laughs) Yeah, he's a winner, isn't he? Didn't they they all... Didn't the people who excavated Tutankhamun all, like, die mysteriously? I don't think it was really that mysterious. They just all got, like, tetanus and and stuff. But it's just... It's just because they all, I mean, it does speak to the fact that people maybe did feel slightly uneasy about uh, digging up dead people even then. But uh, uh, yeah, they all, they did, they did die eventually. As well, do yes. we all. Amazingly, they all proved to be mortal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turns out Egyptian magic is real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, further MacGuffins, though, it okay, goes. So, I Dragon Age Two, um, which is uh, the this uh, the second Dragon Age game, and it, but it's the one that people sort of say isn't as good. But actually, it's because I've I've gone back and replayed the Dragon Ages recently, and the first Dragon Age is is guff compared to the later ones. But um, Dragon Age Two is quite interesting because it has uh, a a MacGuffin, like a straightforward MacGuffin, which is um, driving kind of almost all the plot, which is the the Canari, who are like the big ox people. 
um, have like a holy book that's gone missing. And it's the reason they're sticking around in, in the city and uh, tensions are building, those kind of stuff. And it turns out one of your mates nicked it. But it also, had, the game has a secret MacGuffin that's sort of hiding in plain sight the whole time that you don't really talk about, which is uh, a, a magic statue made of uh, evil magic dust that turns people mad. <laughs> Um, and that kind of is chugging along in the background and actually is what drives the big final confrontation but it's sort of sleight of hand hidden behind the book which I think is quite good yeah that's pretty cool yeah MacGuffins within MacGuffins yeah can it be a MacGuffin though if you don't know it's a MacGuffin till the end well it's I mean, it's it's in the game. It's not like it's not in the game. Like you go and get it. You like you go yeah. on a trip to the mines and you find it, and then you bring it back. Right. And it's sort of so it's it always is treated there. as an object of significance, but not no, ultimate. no. It's just like a it's a bit of treasure you find, uh, and then your mate's brother nicks it, and then there's a side quest where he goes a bit mental, and then someone else takes it. But it's never treated as like it's sort of a. Um, it feels like a side quest, like an offshoot, mm. like I, a companion I might, quest. Might argue that disqualifies because that's like if the rock was like, "Oh, chuck us that egg, mate." <laughs> it's quite nice, this. And then <laughs> the lady leans in, it's like you realise that's uh, that was made by Cleopatra. It's a bit, <laughs> a bit special. <laughs> I think it still can because, like. <laughs> Because MacGuffins also don't have to be like the MacGuffin in in Psycho is like the cash that she steals in like the first scene, which then means she stops at the Bates Motel and then the cash never appears yeah. again. Because I'm sitting important. there for the rest of the film going, "What's the deal with that cash? Is she going to invest it?" Yeah, right. <laughs> you know. And it, yeah, and that it just exists to get her to the Bates Motel, you know. Mm. It's interesting when money's a MacGuffin, and I mean, there's the hundred and fifty grand in Red Dead Redemption too. It's a classic that's MacGuffin. That's a real MacGuffin, that one. Because mm. treasure, like treasure or money, is always a good one in westerns. Like, I always think of the um, good, the bad, and the ugly with the amazing. Like feverish rummaging through a graveyard for money. <laughs> <laughs> but what I've only played a bit of Red Dead Two. What's the? Is it just we need this amount of money? Well, they've there's been a big bank robbery prior to the game starting, and they've they've That's had it. to like they've hidden. Is it they've hidden the loot, or they basically had to flee town and they've left their loot hidden there, but they can't get go back there to get it. So they're they're, they're constantly trying to make more money. Um, though there's lots of stuff where you sort of go and look at the town <laughs> where the money's hidden, you sort of longingly return to the scene of the crime and ponder it. Um, I actually think, all told, they would have been com- compared to some of the stuff they face later in the game, not going off that money. I think they'd actually have better odds just going back and getting that money. But yeah, it's true. Yeah. They do an awful lot of peril to avoid a bit of peril. Yeah, like the town where it's hidden is tiny compared to like. Basically, the cities they go to to try and make more money, and you're like, "Well, I, w- I would risk it." There's loads of them as well. Like at the start of the game, they've got the best odds of getting the money because there's like 25 of them in the gang. By the end, there's like, well, there's not 25. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
less uh, than 25. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, if, if you had, if there was a MacGuffin in your real life, Ooh. what what would it be, do you think? Like, like trying to get a can of Rio and, you know, I mean... you... Yeah, that, but that's quite achievable. That's like a de- like a daily MacGuffin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that doesn't take that long. I could get, I could comfortably get a can of Rio within an hour at any point in Bath. Where, where is it like? <laughs> you make it sound like, like Bath is like famed for its consumption. Well, not the same. Like, like, like even in Bath, hardly like you know a sprawling metropolis full of Rio. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm I, confident I, that if if you said maybe not the early hours of the morning, but <laughs> I I took it the other way. Not that that Bath is full of Rio, but that when when you're in your home turf, you always know how far you are from a campfire. <laughs> no, I would just assume like. Uh, you know, I know there are many deliver like there are many takeaways where I could get a can of Rio that are within twenty minutes walking of my house. <laughs> I just say it's, it's not it's not it's a weird thing to boast about. It's not really a boast, <laughs> but that, I don't know. Like a bigger MacGuffin is just like I don't know. It's pretty the same, boring, depressing. Like you know, a get, mortgage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean. I think for Nate, it's quite easy to imagine that it would be like some species of rare fish, or or like a a bit of rare coral that you that you want for. Oh, a yeah, if it was, we were talking about like if I could have any animal that you know I, I could not reasonably acquire, I'm probably mm. a platypus actually. Oh, <laughs> it's the we- um, it's. It's the forbidden nature of them that's so enticing. Would it live in your jacuzzi? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be lovely. Can you imagine? <laughs> Why are they forbidden? Uh, you you just can't take them out. Australia is like a fortress for wildlife. Um, very, very rare to see Australian stuff out of Australia. My little desert gobies are an interesting exception, actually. Um, they're hogging all the best animals to themselves. Well, they're, yeah, they they're... are. They're not. They don't allow anything in or out because they've. They're worried about their ecosystem. They've been burnt before. Ugh. Yeah, bloody cane toads. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, so the platypuses are staying there. Um, get but over, I, I get over yourselves, these. Australia. That's what I say. That's why one of my favourite programs is. Uh, it's like Border Force Australia or something. It's always on five star like all day, and it's all episodes from like two thousand and three, and it's just like. Australians in airports uh, asking people, "Have you brought any food with you?" And they're like, "No." And then the Australians open their suitcase and they're like, "Right, so it, you've got six pounds of raw beef in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not allowed." Like every time, they just open a suitcase and it's full of like raw honey dripping down the sides. What about what about zoos? Do they put platypuses in zoos? Uh, only in Australia. Really? They won't even let them out, like, under, like, armed guard? No, they're very... They get escorted round in, like, a Pope mobile. <laughs> Secret service guys, little platypus, sitting like in, like, you, a foot bath. How you transport Hannibal Lecter around when you need to take him to hotels to be interviewed or whatever. <laughs> in the but, but pleasant, but pleasant. But nice. <laughs> yeah. Because it's oh, only very... Only a very few zoos have koalas as well. I know that because there's uh, they've got koalas in Edinburgh Zoo, and it's very rare that that 
zoos have koalas? I think there's one zoo maybe in Germany with platypus. I think there are like maybe one or two exceptions, but it's super I, rare. There are definitely underground zoos where you can see these animals. I, I, I'm sure like that in, must be a thing. Basements. <laughs> Well, you just go yeah. like, well, yeah. there's, well, no. there's a big man outside a pub toilet, like, hey, five quid for a quick look at a platypus. <laughs> <laughs> well, surely they'd be hanging out at zoos. And if they see people who are just looking a bit uh, down in the dumps or unimpressed, like, uh, they're like... like... Nate standing around sadly in like a, a platypus t-shirt and, <laughs> and a cap saying, I heart platypus. <laughs> I really want that cap. <laughs> 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 and then a big guy sidles up and is like, if you want to see a platypus, call this what, number. Uh, <laughs> long beak echidna, short beak echidna, all your monotremes. <laughs> <laughs> Three quid a look. Oh my God, Nate, have you seen the video of a man who rescues a lobster from... Oh, Leon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very handsome lobster, that is. Uh, I meant hasn't to he say... rehomed it or let it free? Yes, yeah, so, so for the listener, there's a man on YouTube whose name is something uh, unbelievably American, like Brady Broadworth or something. And <laughs> it is. And yeah, it really is. He did a video where he bought a lobster from a live lobster from a, a supermarket and then took it home and freed it and put it in a little tank and Ooh. named it Leon and, and Fiza. And he just, he just, bought Leon uh, a really big new tank uh, and I think I, I might even have mentioned it before because it's so lovely but there have been there's been more updates yeah on, on He's Leon's a progress man I really yeah, yeah. appreciate the whole endeavor the problem is is that whenever you whenever you take home like a, an unusual creature and you <laughs> raise it to be a spectacular version of that creature you always put yourself in the sights of like a Cruella Deville type character who desperately wants that lobster? Like, like a what? Like a hat made of lobster? Like you make the most delicious lobster. You are painting a huge target on that lobster's back. <laughs> what if she was like a barbarian who wanted to make like a gauntlet out of lobster shell? <laughs> mm. It's quite hot, actually. <laughs> or like. Like you're saying, like someone will steal the lobster to eat I it. I would just say, if I had, if I'd made a spectacular lobster, if I'd raised a spectacular lobster, I would not be like boasting about it on the internet because you keep it to yourself. Well, it's not somewhere, really a... someone will be like, I, you know, because you know, a billionaire playboy somewhere will be like, get me that lobster, <laughs> and then, and then the, the lobster lo- becomes the MacGuffin. Yeah, Did you know, <laughs> I um. I've actually got an eerily relevant story here. I was uh, I had a friend who was working in Australia. You know when people go to Australia and then work like a, a shit job um, to pay for the, the fare, basically? My friend did that, and he was living in Melbourne. And I went to hang out with him for a few weeks. And we, on the walk from his work um, to the place he was staying, we could take a shortcut through the big casino in Melbourne and there was a restaurant there where they had big tanks full of crabs. Now, one of the biggest crabs in the world um, lives in the uh, the Gulf of Tasmania. They're huge, great big things. 
and Ooh. they were on sale for one thousand Australian dollars. How how big are they? As big as a child's torso. I mean, Ooh. you know, and like quite a muscular child as well. <laughs> that's big, that's big crab meat for weeks. <laughs> I mean, they are vast and. For two weeks, we saw this crab languishing there, just a colossus for $1,000. And we were feeling really bad for it. And so we decided to take $50 into the casino and just keep betting black on roulette. And just thought, you know, if we make 1000 we're freeing the crab. And uh, we, we lost our first spin and left. That's the disappointing end to that film. <laughs> We did have a song that we sung we- as as we span the wheel, as the wheel was spun. Bet it all, bet it all, bet it all on black. If we win, we're gonna buy the thousand dollar crab. <laughs> we just sung that over and over again for about thirty seconds, and then walked out sadly. And everyone else in the casino was like, "We're glad those weird crab singing guys have gone." <laughs> yep, we yeah. really lowered the tone. <laughs> this place was cool until they came in. There are 1,000% people who remember the time they were in a casino and two guys came in and sang about crap. It's like cut cut to a confused James Bond down the table. (laughs) So, well, that was odd. (laughs) I can't believe that's not relevant to my story. <laughs> That's um, the wrong MacGuffin. <laughs> I bloody love being James Bond. <laughs> ah, Mr. Cavill. Um <laughs> <laughs> What what other MacGuffins I should say uh we don't have uh, a cavern of lies this week, not because I forgot, but because Nate forgot. <laughs> yeah. Cavern of forgetfulness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The hell um, of truth. Um, and it's it's actually quite similar to the money one in uh, Red Dead Redemption, but I always liked the GTA Five. You've got to make a load of money because you wrecked some like lunatic's house, and now he's after yeah. you. But I th- always thought, as a framing device, the GTA game stories often struggle to like. I don't know, to, to keep not to keep you motivated, but you, you you struggle to know your motivation at any given time because you're basically yeah. just doing favors for like twenty bastards, and at the <laughs> end you find out who was the main bastard, and that was it, and then the game ends. But in that one, there, like everything you're doing, like you're doing all those heists, you're like, well, I know I'm trying to make this money back, and I thought it gave, I don't know, it kind of brought it all together a bit better than they they usually do. Well, that's, that's interesting. The, the MacGuffin there isn't money; it's a debt; it's an absence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, One of my all-time favourite MacGuffins uh, is in Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, um, which is, it's called the Ankaran Sarcophagus. Um, uh, And it's supposedly, almost everything you do, basically, is to to, to, uh, help someone acquire the sarcophagus. and he's the like the lord of the area. He's the the head vampire, and you can either be working for him or sort of secretly working against him, because um, there are several endings. But the sarcophagus is supposed to have like a proper old deado vampire in it, who's like <laughs> one of the original ones who's just been asleep for ages. 
And, yes. um, uh, and spoilers, if you've not played Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, uh, it's just full of explosives. <laughs> oh. So... So you you get you get the sarcophagus and then you get it for like the the prince yeah and then whoever's in the room uh, when it's opened it's just rigged with a bomb and uh, <laughs> everyone gets their face blown off. Oh, they all burst. It's really good. Yeah. It's brilliant. I only, it's... I only got as far in that game as I got doing our let's play um, before we stopped doing it on the YouTube channel. So I <laughs> I've only I played half it's... of Vampire. Yeah, it's a difficult game to let's play because especially about sort of two-thirds of the way through, it just becomes like a shooter. and uh, But because the controls are a bit weird and stuff, it's not a great shooter. Mm. It's a bad shooter. But <laughs> I really enjoyed how you said shooter like Alan Partridge. That pleased me greatly. Kind of, yeah. He's got a shooter. Um, I, I, uh, I looked up MacGuffins in games uh, before we did this episode because I thought, oh, I'll, you know, maybe there's some things I'd forgotten. And I saw some people say... The cake in Portal is a MacGuffin. But, mm. but it doesn't exist. Cake, yeah, and also, it's that, the cake like emerges as it goes on. It's not like at the start, someone's like, your job is to get cake, right? Yeah, you're not trying to get cake, you're trying to live. <laughs> you're just trying to do some tests. Yeah, I think what I these know. people have done is mistake a MacGuffin for a bloody meme. <laughs> yeah, they do both begin with M. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I so quite I... like because um, uh, it's not real. It's sort of MacGuffin, but uh, in the Monkey Island, uh, I think it's in the second game. It turns up, but you're you're on a quest for the fabulous treasure of Big Whoop, mm. um, which I don't think you ever get. You might maybe in one of the later ones I haven't played, um, which is of course a joke. Uh, I yeah. quite like that. It's sort of, is that, that a joke? Oh. It's like, like when Americans are. Uh, I'm impressed by something they say. Big whoop. Oh right, yeah, okay, fair play. Yeah, that see, that's funny because when when I played that originally when I was a kid, I I remember being like a, a you know <laughs> maybe I wasn't tuned fully into the the, the full humour of the game, but I remember being quite excited about finding out what it was. Yeah, and then when it isn't anything, and then you're like, oh okay, like in fact that may have been like a an introduction to like oh. This is all like sort of ironic, and oh, um, maybe I'm Matthew. into that now. You know, maybe it's like, an, <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah, quite a, a sort of strangely life changing experience. Of, maybe I'm into oh. disappointment now. <laughs> well, no, but no, 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 maybe I'm into like, oh, right, yeah, it's funny to to try and you know do the, the, the thing yeah. you don't expect, and then that becomes that can become like quite a key part of like your humor at that age and your personality. Yeah. Of, like, Oh well, that's. I'm going to try and be more like this game because I really like that, you know. Um, but at yeah, the time... I will say that for the Monkey Island games, they are they are a useful tool for teaching children about humour. Mm. <laughs> well, I I I think I got a lot of my sense of humour from Terry Pratchett because I my brother had a load of books, Terry Pratchett books, and I just started reading them when I was about ten, mm. which is probably not the intended. Uh, Oh, I think that's that's the perfect age. Well, I don't know because the the early ones were a bit bawdier, weren't they? Yeah, and they toned that right down. But it's this thing where, like, you know, parents think if you're reading a book, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely stuff in those books. Like, I remember I used to read. I've really 
clear sort of sense memory of reading them while my sister was having swimming lessons, sitting up in a leisure centre. You know where you're sitting in like the spectator area above a swimming pool. Mm. And you've got all that like hot chlorine air, really, really hot and dry. <laughs> it's a really yeah. hot, like evil uh, leisure centre <laughs> atmosphere. It only exists in that place. Um, and you know, reading those books and being, you know, like almost like understanding there was stuff that was going over my head and like oh I don't know what that is but I'll just carry mm. on so yeah. back to and then rereading them like 20 years later and being like oh yeah I didn't get any of this <laughs> like this is this is all very very clever and um, yeah the real world parallels completely escaped my whatever 10 year old yeah. brain if you if you are listening to this and you've not read any Terry Pratchett books do because they're really really good um Especially uh, Discworld Three, the Cauldron of Sex. Like I say, they did start bawdy. <laughs> yeah, I always think my favorite one to start with is one of the witches' ones, or maybe Guards Guards. Oh, well, I, I think was, Guards was, Guards is the best. I was going to say, did you have a particular strand of them that you liked more than the others? I liked the witches. I did like the witches. I still mm. do. I like, you know, the the one that is just Macbeth. <laughs> think it's good and oh yeah we're sisters because yeah because well, the 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 witches stories are all sort of story based um so there's a lot of like uh shakespeare stuff and vampires and um lords and ladies i really like with the elves i really like mm. the idea of elves being horrible <laughs> mm. um but yeah they're really good i like the guards uh, ones most i think mm. yeah because there's a troll cop. <laughs> <laughs> the guards have got the most mate energy. Yeah, yeah for that's, sure. that's a nice thing of you to say. <laughs> Recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> well, a slightly sort of demented vibe to that. <laughs> you know, do you know, you know, we do have, we have like an audio, we have a, we have like a musical little flourish. You don't. Yeah, I'm just doing my you... bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every week, uh, we recommend something that is not a video game. <laughs> uh, Matthew, what have you got to recommend this week? Uh, I recently watched the uh, TV adaptation of The Beast Must Die which is an adaptation of a Nicholas Blake detective novel. Uh, Nicholas Blake is a pseudonym of uh, Cecil Day-Lewis, a.k.a. Daniel Day-Lewis's dad. Um, oh, I didn't know that. F- fact fans. Um, and is this where he's trying to, like, distract the beast from Beauty of the Beast for long enough that the egg goes right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got big Gaston energy. The beast must die. Um, it's... Set on the Isle of Wight. Well, the, this adaptation was set on the Isle of Wight. I think originally it was set in Lyme Regis. Um, and it's about a kind of woman whose uh, son's been hit by a car and she's died and she's trying to find the person. She sort of sort of uh, sneaks into the life of the person who she thinks d- done it. Um, and he's played by uh, Jared Harris, who is always Ooh. great value for money and everything. And he's just... Love Jared Harris, yeah. He's horrible in it. He's so unpleasant like you desperately want it to be him regardless of not whether it is like you want him to get his 
sort of revenge and she just has to, it's about it's more about her than the detective her kind of like having to deal with being close up to this horrible man and she tries to kind of prove that he ran over a car but uh, ran over some but the um yeah it's just, it's just i think the isle of wight setting's really unusual but you just don't see it much on tv and there's also like it really sells you on like the violence of hitting of like a hit and run of like someone hitting someone in a car you don't see it mm. but like the idea of it like of how sort of sort of vicious and sort of cold it is which may sound dumb like of course it's evil but i've not really seen something really kind of sort of try and sort of represent that and talk about the aftermath of that of that act and and what it is to be involved in that i thought it was i thought it was neat ah, sounds really good it's on um, Britbox though so you have to sign up for yet another <laughs> streaming service you can get a free trial of Britbox. you can apparently. and you can also watch like old episodes of cringe hill yeah <laughs> uh i'm going to recommend the tinder swindler uh ah. on- on Netflix, which is it's a true crime documentary film. It's uh, about two hours long, but it's kind of feel good in that uh, nobody dies, so you don't feel some weird sort of voyeuristic, vague moral tarnishing of your soul. And the victims that are in it are all you know alive, and they are uh, kind of you know participating, you know, in this documentary themselves and. Uh, it's basically it's about a a dude who would meet women on Tinder and then um, swindle them basically by pretending he was uh, a billionaire. Although um, he did also apparently tell some people that he was a secret agent. And I would just like to say, if you're listening to this and someone tells you that they're a secret agent, they are definitely not a secret agent. <laughs> I. A sure fight. How do you know if someone's definitely not a secret agent because they have told you they are? Like it's not. Anyway, uh, but it's really good. Uh, the way they have, um, the way they bring in the different women involved and sort of pace the story uh, is actually really good. Uh, and then and because this guy was uh, just was just spraying evidence everywhere. Like they have loads of voice notes of him and stuff and and you just get a real feel for how kind of slimy and, and grim he is um so yeah the tinder swindler it's got a great name as well isn't it fun oh to yeah say? it sounds like oh it's like tilda swinton's like, name so, i was gonna say the only my, way it could have been better is if it had been narrated by tilda swinton in in uh in my other work that i do outside of this podcast uh we did a little video about the tinder swindler with the director and producer of it, and every time I I heard it, I thought Tilda Swinton. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the words Tinder Swindler about a thousand times in January. I, honestly, <laughs> if it was the Tinder Swindler featuring Tilda Swinton, I would have expired and from happiness. If it came in one of those fancy metal cases that games sometimes come in, yeah. which is produced by a factory in Swindon, it could be the Tinder Swindler narrated by Tilda Swinton, Tendin Swinton. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's very good. Also, there's an amazing there's <laughs> there's an amazing bit in it where they, they need to find someone um who can uh, who's like they need to, they basically they need to speak to a reporter in Israel and a lot of um, the uh, graphics and stuff they show like uh, people Google searching stuff and so they search for this journalist uh, who's in Israel 
and they st- <laughs> it says like because they're like we needed to find someone who could help us crack open the case and it starts yuri and then for a second the autocomplete says yuri geller and i was for like <laughs> for five seconds i was like this is oh my god this is about to go to like <laughs> this documentary is gonna go to the moon <laughs> I was so excited, but alas, it's not that Yuri. But, uh, uh, anyway, uh, Nate, what are you going to recommend? A little YouTube channel this week, um, which I've been watching called The Budget Museum. Um, if you like The Night Files, our bonus podcast where I ra- ramble about things of interest largely to me. Um, it's a similar sort of vibe. There's quite a lot of paleontology content, quite a lot about monkeys as well. I uh, did a good one on baboons recently. And it's a really nice mixture of, you know, laid back, well-paced psychoms and and jokes. He's, you know, he's naturally very funny, but it's not sort of you know, a 10 minute meme every five seconds, sensory overload, bullshit festival, uh, like things sometimes are. So yeah, the uh, Budget Museum, lovely little channel. That sounds lovely. Uh, well, thank you very much for those recommendations. And thank you, listener, uh, for joining us this week uh, on episode 173, brackets possibly, close brackets, of the Electronic Wireless Show. This was the best MacGuffins in game special of Rock, Paper, Shotguns, PC Gaming Podcast. The only podcast you need, in my opinion. Um, and uh, you can check out Rock Paper Shotgun on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search uh, Rock Paper Shotgun. You can uh, get in contact with us at the podcast if you have any questions or suggestions at uh, podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, you can uh, also join the Discord to chat about games and podcasting, and well, this podcast anyway, uh, and all sorts of other lovely things. Uh, link to that is in the show notes. Um, and you can also, as Nate mentioned, if you become a supporter of Rock Paper Shotgun uh, via the website, then you get a little extra every month. You get a little a little extra podcast in your ear holes, um, as well as some. The last some one was called the the Vast and the Curious. It was, it was, about it was big animals. It's very good. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so that's all from us this week. But remember, for all your PC gaming needs, just go for, to www.rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, and until next week, it's goodbye from me, Alice Bell. It's goodbye from Alfred Hitchcock. Goodbye. <laughs> F- it, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's goodbye from Dennis McGuffin. They've taken me wrong. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Henry Cavill. We love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.